I don't know, maybe inspire people. I, I like people ask questions. Where'd you get that outfit? So I started sharing my outfits and my cooking and I love to see when my husband, Mr. Tank Top gets on. So, and I'm a mom dog girl. I got everything, you know? <laughs> the way you call, I don't even know his real name, Mr. Tank Top. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Tank Top. Well, that's a story on his own, Hannah. Let me tell you. Uh, when I met him at a club in Tijuana, uh, he said his name was Enrique. And girl, I called him Enrique like a dumb, can I say dumbass? Yeah, you can. <laughs> I called him Enrique for months. And back in the day before we had phones, you know, cell phones, I would call his house and I'd ask for Enrique. And um, it was a thing. People were like, what? You know, I could even hear, uh, we, we laugh about it now. But um, we one day I said, why does everybody call you Balta? What is that? And he's like, oh, it's a term of endearment. Literally three months into us dating he said my real name is Baltazar I'm like it's not even Enrique like a middle name like no so why did you tell me your name was Enrique he's like that's my pickup name <laughs> girl I tell you my husband and I we have stories stories but his name is Baltazar like Baltimore but Baltazar and uh, they call him Balt, but I call him Mr. Tank Top because the man does not wear anything but tank top. He's huge. If you've seen my Instagram, you'll see how big he is. Um, and I also call him Lovey. So he's my Lovey as well. <laughs> I can't believe, A, you talked about calling somebody's household. I used to call the boyfriends I had in high school to the household. <laughs> and I had to be so polite, like, hi, ma'am, can I... Yes, you know, kids today will never know what that is like. That the parent answers the phone, and you have to say, "Hola, se encuentra Baltasar," or "Hi, Mrs. So and So, is Janet there?" Oh, yeah, no one will ever know what that's like. No, no, they, they have to answer their own phones. People like text now, you know, so crazy. They never, they honestly, it was just one of those things. And then my mom would be like, oh, she's not here. And I'd be right in front of her. Oh, oh my God. I hear you. <laughs> my like, dad would even pick. No, how about there as a, another landline? Because people don't even know about that. My dad would pick up the landline and he'd say, no boys, no boys, no talk to boys. You know, it was just humiliating. And uh, we can laugh about it now, but oh, Lord. Oh, yeah, you thought it was the end of the world. You're ruining my life. I would say that all the time to my mom. I'm like, oh my God, you're ruining my life. Stop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny, Hannah, that you are. Because let me tell you, one thing about me is I am going to be 52 this year. So, you know, I I am a product of the 70s and 80s. And so, yeah, I've lived through so many things. And uh, that you got a chance to experience it. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm you now. I'm 89, but I was born in the Dominican, so I, I was like the 80, 89 in the DR might as well have been the 60s. <laughs> oh, that's right. I Hannah, that's funny. 1989, girl. Do you know, um, I graduated 1988, so. Oh, so you wow. were. So you cool. can be my daughter, Hannah. And that's why we, I just, I feel like I can relate to a lot of people. So I have lots of friends of different age groups and it's just, um, I just love it. I, I don't think that just because you're one age, you have to stick to your group. I think everyone has value. You know, and rich that life. <laughs> I get it. I get it, bro. I get it. Like, it's just, it's one of those things. Like with me, I, I immigrated to Toronto in 1995 in Canada. So like I had this, you know, there was a rotary phone in my grandma's house. There was one line, you know, it, we had those, it, you know, the mimbra, like it was like the chair and then the little table and you had to sit oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bro. Oh, look at, I love it. Well, Hannah, you have a story too from the Dominican to Canada. Oh, that, that is. That's a big change. That's a that's a move in so many different ways. Oh my! You won't even. It was like I lived in DR in my apartment, and then outside it was like a completely different world. Completely different world. Like my friends, 
you know, in the fifth grade were painting their nails and they had big hoop earrings. And, you know, meanwhile, I had like little small gold hoops and my mom still combed my hair. And yeah. it, it was just one of those things. I wasn't allowed to paint my nails. I wasn't allowed yeah. to pluck my eyebrows. It, it, like I grew, I literally had to wait till I was 15. The same school. thing. We have a lot of upbringing that are similar. I lived in Los Angeles up until 1982. And then we made our way to San Diego. And that was a, a huge move for us. Um, I ha- I always tell everybody I had the best childhood. And I so um, filled with, you know, my family and just traditions and just happiness. And um, we moved. I didn't even know we were what we would say that we didn't have money. I had no idea. I had no idea because I felt we had everything. And when we moved to 1982 uh, to San Diego, it was a huge culture shock. It was a change. And I, you're just thinking like, what's California, you know, just down, you know, the, you know, the five freeways. Whoa, but no, whoa, but still. it was in every way. Um, San Diego at that time, 1982 was just, you know, the schools where I was the first Latina uh, cheerleader, Latina, like, but it was just, it was different environment. Mm-hmm. Um, our home alone, that home was, we, my brother and I had never seen a microwave in our life. And I remember we had gotten a microwave and we had come into uh, just a big opportunity from my dad being, you know, someone who worked, you know, a blue collar uh, and a machinist, in a machine shop to owning his own business in Tijuana. Uh, and so my dad crossed the border. We bought a house in San Diego and actually there in Chula Vista. And uh, my dad would ride his motorcycle across the border every day. And uh, what he made in a week was what my dad would make like in two months, you know? So it, we, our lifestyle changed dramatically, but um, I still, you know, they brought us up that I was the firstborn oldest and there was many things that were expected of me, Um, you know, still had the machista, you know, upbringing, but you don't even think about it, you know, serve dad first and your Mm -hmm. chores are, you know, very feminine. And um, so I grew up bilingual, but um, I also played that little role of, um, you know, trying to live up to being very Americanized, very American. I guess, you know, in uh, San Diego school and then crossing the border, hang out with my family and my dad's side, I wasn't Mexican enough. So I I had that um, always trying to prove both worlds and, you know, um, it's stayed with me. Um, But I did have the big traditions. I had the quince. I had everything. Uh, And yeah, I was not allowed to you know, sleep over anybody's house or you name it. That was me. And then so, yeah, the, the if it doesn't matter where you're at, you're, you're, you are brought up in a home uh, like ours and you're not going to paint your nails, girl. You know, you're not going to wear those things. <laughs> you know, it just took a long, long time. Oh, it's, yeah. it's insane. I, I, there are so much similarities in our upbringing because now with me, because I can't, basically all my education was here in Canada. So I sound super Canadian, you know, I, when I speak to like, when I speak Dominican, I don't even think we speak Spanish at this point. When I speak Dominican, I always get the, oh, but you know, you went to Canada when you were five, so you're not Dominican enough. And then I'm in, I'm here and I get like, oh, wow, you're so cool. You're so in tune with your roots. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay. So it's like, now, to mm-hmm. the point, whenever I meet somebody and I was like, oh, I was born in the Dominican Republic. And they're like, oh, yeah, but you're not from there. I'm like, no, I'm Canadian. I just, yeah. I just, I'm like, I'm Canadian. I don't even fight it anymore. I, I don't need yeah. to, right? Um, yeah. I know who I am. So exactly. it, it's one of those things that they're just, oh, my goodness. Well, my mom was, I could write novels about my mother. <laughs> right. Well, all our mom's stories are big. I uh, the stories of our grandmothers. I, I still found out stuff that my dad is sharing that I'm like, you know, I need, you're right. I need to write a book. There's you, some beautiful. Still, I was going to ask you if you <laughs> hadn't written one. 
I, ha- you know what? I'm a writer at heart too. I love storytelling. I do. I have things um, that I, because I journal and it's so funny, Hannah, depending which journal I pick up, you could totally feel like, damn, what were you going through at that time? <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I, that's, it, it might be something. We'll see. I definitely have taken uh, all my experiences and, and made sure that I have um, somehow made connections with all my students that I've been able to work with uh, because they all come from different backgrounds. And, um, you know, having that connection, having that experience that they share is really important to them and it builds trust. And, um, you know, just um, seeing that they could see themselves and, um, you know, in different roles outside of the home that they live in that are their expectations. So, yeah, I mean, even though I haven't written one, I think I can. I was just thinking about even um, having writing something about their stories, too. It's just I think a lot of people don't know uh, about kids who are coming here from different countries on their own students who arrive in your classroom that just cross the border of, you know, months to get here on their own, um, leaving behind family. Uh, It's, and then having to sit in a classroom and still going to work right after school and coming home at two in the morning. Those are big, big things. You know, we only talk about the, um, you know, the honor students, the AP students, those kids that are getting into Harvard and all those universities, but we never really talk about the kids who learn a language in one year and who are balancing, you know, uh, supporting themselves and still sending money home and trying to, you know, graduate. It's incredible. And I think their stories are, are someone to be shared. I'm going to hold you to it. You should. You should talk about it because there's so much. They're, they're caregivers and there's they're providers at, like, you know, 12. I started working. I was 14 when I started working and I've never stopped ever. It's just, you just keep on going and you keep on going. So it's just one of those things. And then you meet somebody in your twenties and they're like, Oh, this is my first job. I'm like, what? Yes. What do you mean? Same. (laughs) Same. Um, yeah, I started working in my dad's store too. Uh, about that same age from summer of a 13 but yeah I've always had a job and <laughs> and then begging dad to let me go here's the other part about Manchester I begged my dad to please let me have a job you know um, <laughs> at McDonald's because he was letting me work by letting me work at his at his store but I mean the the crying that I did the begging and I ended up working at McDonald's for like, I don't know, three months. Because, uh, but it was horrible. But after that, I mean, I've always worked. Never uh, worked uh, never worked fast food again. I learned my lesson there. Oh, no, I didn't touch fast food. I didn't do it. I didn't touch fast no. food. No. Oh, my gosh. No. For years, I could not go into a McDonald's, girl. I'd smell like just the chemical they used to clean the bathrooms or just this. I just couldn't. Um, <laughs> I did. I worked at McDonald's and, um, after that, it's always been in offices and, uh, yeah. And I would tell my, I tell my kids, you know, to go get a job. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to go see what's up online. Now I had my little resume and I also would fill out applications. I'd go knocking on doors or offices and literally I would walk them like, you know, a dental office. Hi, do you need a receptionist? Who's going to hire, you know, a 16 year old receptionist that's, you know, now you have to have like some kind of capacity of, of, you know, study to work in a dental office. But I mean, I worked in insurance offices and in uh, doctor's offices. And then I led into finally, uh, here's one that's hilarious. So my dream, Hannah, was to be, uh, you know, a reporter. I wanted to go into journalism and I saw myself one day uh, in New York City, you know, mm. um, that's where I was in a land a job. So that was my, you know, my goal. And my mom came home one day and I had just graduated high school and I was looking for a job. And she came home and she goes, well, I got you a job and you're going to be a job. You're going to work at the paper. 
like, what are you talking about? No, really, I just got there. And she had just went to the local uh, paper. She was putting in an ad. Uh, I think she was going to have a garage sale or something. And she said she got me a job. I just had a, you know, they were expecting me to go in for an interview the next day. I'm like, okay. So I take my little portfolio of things that I did in high school. And then I was on a college magazine and I, you know, take my little articles. And when I go to the interview, it was for uh, putting in the classified ads. So it was for a job for me to put in um, like the garage sale ads. And so I took it. You know, they offered it to me and literally it was my desk was divided by, um, you know, on the other side of the um, of the wall, which was, you know, like a, a six foot little cubicle type of wall were all the reporters and the journalists. And so I was just in awe of them and, you know, knowing how I am, you know, I'm going to go talk to them. And I, you know, so I'd go and I'd look and I'd talk to them and it's just so interesting. And they all knew that I wanted to do that one day. and. Um, one day, I, uh, the editor uh, said he had a job for me. He knew that I wanted to do this. And so he says, nobody wants to do it. And it's on Sunday. And it's like, go um, do a story on the Elks Lodge, something that they were going to do. I'm like, okay. And I went and I made a little story and they printed it. And so at the beginning, they would give me like the things that other people didn't want to do because it was on their weekend and stuff. And then finally, he's like, here's this one job too go and report this you know it's at the school district they're having an event and i did and you know i did my little job girl i'm looking around i'm like who am i going to talk to and i remember i'm 18 years old and then i was like oh i know um there were some seats that were like flagged off and i said you know who's gonna sit there and they said oh the board's gonna sit there i'm like great i will interview them so the event started and it was like a huge huge uh all the schools in this one district had made uh like this big show with all the kids and it was on a Saturday. And so when they, no one from the board was there. So I went back and I did my paper and I wrote something like, um, and the event was received with standing ovation, except for the empty chairs of the seven board members. And so um, it printed. And I remember coming to work the day after you know, it was like a Monday and the receptionist says, oh my God, oh my God, you've got to, Bob's been looking for you. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, he wants you to go to his office now. Oh my gosh. And so I went and you can see everybody's staring at me and I'm going to his office and he's a typical character of you would think like someone that was in a bad mood all the time, you know, that editor, right? And so he calls me on the phone yelling, he's like, sit down, sit down. So he's talking along and then he hangs up and he says, Little girl, I told you to go do a story, a simple story. And I'm like, I want to cry at that point. No, no, you go. And I got all these people calling me about your story. And then he comes up to me and he says, you know what, little girl? <laughs> if you could make a little shit story happen, can you imagine what else you could do? You're hired. And so I got a job without having a degree <laughs> full on as a reporter at that paper. So that's my story of how I really got started into this whole, <laughs> before there was Instagram, before there was blogging, there was me, Patty, putting in stories for the Chulista Star News. <laughs> That's amazing that you were meant to be a writer. We'll see. We'll see. But it was a good story. It was fun. And I loved it. And then I had to let it go. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> oh. You're like, that's part two. That's part two. That's part when two. You come back. Yeah. <laughs> well, I get it. I get it. We end up in these places and, and it's just, you know, you think it's, you're just doing nothing, but you're really doing a lot. You're really yeah. doing a lot. So it's 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 why you're so I feel like there's so many layers to you. This this episode <laughs> can go like everywhere. Literally I everywhere. Know. I know. When did well, you when did you start IG? Like how how did you and I become friends? Do you remember? I don't remember. I you know, uh well, 
social media began once upon a time for me using Facebook. You know how that goes. Oh, and I was, I I was on Facebook with all the family and pictures and stuff. And then um, I started doing lives on Facebook because I figured out how to do it. And so I literally started on Facebook just when, um, on a whim, um, my, I had to get up every day and take my kids to school while it was still my vacation. And so I, I would do these little stories. And then, you know, my daughter's like, mom, you do know there's another platform. You could probably do that easier. And then I'd be like, what is it? And so she showed me Instagram. I'm like, oh, that's so pretty, you know, because back then it was just about the pictures. So I said, mm-hmm. well, maybe I have two. And then she started showing me how people did stories and like, but then where does the story go? Cause that to me is like, how can people share things and let it go away? Like Snapchat. I'm like, I don't get it. Like to me, I feel like it has to be archived. And so she's, she's funny. So my daughter's like, you make it what you want it to be mom. And so my kids just pushed me and they already knew I already had the personality to be out there. And so, I don't know how you and I came across each other. I just, you know, I'm going to be honest, dude. I follow, I think I've shared this with you before. I follow people that I can relate to, um, that intrigue me. And I don't care if they're selling something, not selling something. I'm more like, what, what am I gaining from this time? And if I make that connection with you, then I, then that's you're my person and so somewhere along the line Hannah um I I found you and I just thought your your spirit and your encouragement and you were I think you're at the beginning too I knew this is what I had seen that this has been going on for a minute like I I recall you being there I I was saying like oh yeah I have 400 followers and I I recall you seeing I recall seeing your Instagram so it's been a while because I've had I've had my brand. Yeah. Can you believe I call it a while? Four years. Yeah. Yeah. Four years. It's been four years. You never know you can find, um, you know, when you, it's social media can be for everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Lucky I found you, Hannah. Look at you, girl. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Sometimes I sit there and I'm like, I'm shutting this down. I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) I at least like three times a month now. No, don't shut it down. I mean, think about it. I, I love podcasts. Um, and then that you have a platform that you can still share a message on a day to day. Yeah. I, I, I applaud you, but um, definitely to get lost in a podcast because I love, again, I love stories and um, I enjoy listening to podcasts when I'm on my walks. I love listening to crime stories that I also love to hear, you know, people inspire me and hear stories of other people I can relate to. So a hundred percent, keep on doing your thing, girl. Do I have to now. There's a, there, there's a, I, I call myself a creative now. So like, I'm just, you know, whenever I talk to like, oh, but you're so creative. And I'm like, really? I just, I don't know. It's, it's the thing you do when you grow up in a shitty environment. So you just create, right? I, I, I don't know. Like I'm learning now how to not create in chaos, just a whole other thing. But um, that's usually where that comes from. But wow, I- Hannah! Oh my gosh, I just you made my head like I tilted my head. I know you can't see me because I just thought about what you just said, and it makes so much sense. Oh, dude. Like why I do the things I do, and it you know, I'm, even in my work, it's to be creative and I you're right and, and out of chaos out of the upbringing about I don't know just yeah it, it makes sense yeah you create something um you know but some people go to therapy <laughs> <laughs> some people write books some people tell a story through their podcasts or take a picture and, and post it so yeah you're right it it is a creative outlet to support, uh, you know, people also, I know, use humor to mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. get through some hard times. You know, there's a lot of comedians out there that use their their pain and their toxic relationships uh, 
so that they can share with the world and make them laugh at the same time kind of makes it less judgy, you know, it's like, uh, oh, we could talk about this, you know, so yeah, to me, anyone that's creative that is sharing things, you know, just out there, mm, yeah. It, it comes from a, it's just because I talk to so many people and so many of like my really cool creative friends that I think are like phenomenal at what they do, they, they do this thing that they do best when they're at their lowest, right? So it, it it's kind of that, like Adele, for instance, her latest album to me was utter magic. And she, four years ago, went through a divorce, right? So she got all of that and she bottled it up into an album. So, and it's, to me, it's one of the greatest, one of her greatest. And um, Katy Perry, I believe it was Prism. Yeah. Her album Prism. Oof. That album yeah. was gold. It was gold. Right. Yeah. And that was their biggest world tour. So it, it's one of those things that you just sit there and you're like, okay, I'm either going to take this moment and feel like crap and wallow here, or I'm going to go create something or go to therapy, you know, whatever, whatever works for you. But I refuse to, yeah. I guess it's like the, it's the upbringing in me. I refuse to let anything go that won't benefit me. Oh my God. The jokes I say now, I, I want to do stand up comedy. I do. I really do. I think I'd be wow. funny. I, when I'm uncensored, it's quite the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm leaving today thinking about that, and I'm looking right now as I'm talking to you at a book, a children's book, and it's of course it's Fida, you know, and thinking about all her work that she created out of pain, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and all the stories that we have, I guess, touched us most has been through, you know, it's intrigued us because of someone else's. Uh, heartache in some way, you know, I guess mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. lessons that are really important. I am definitely thinking about all those journals that I just shared at the beginning, you know, like it was all written. Uh, I write during my most painful times or now, mm -hmm. like I try to avoid going on stories, you know, on Instagram to, to share pain um, because I wanted to use that platform like you, you know, to uplift, but sometimes, sometimes I can't let it go. And, and I do share a little too much, I think, you know, or at least no, never, like, no. Oh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> no, no, that's the thing, right? Because I can go into a tangent on, honestly, I live on a busy street and there's always firefighters when I'm taping, I swear to you. Um, <laughs> the government of Ontario should cut me a check for all these fire trucks that disrupt my creative time anyways hmm. the, one of my friends so i was she went through a divorce and but she went through it after i did and now i can sit here and i can pinpoint where she's at yeah so and then she reached out to me to tell me what's going on and she's like i reached out to you because you share in your own way, what you're going through, but until you're in that person's shoes, you won't understand. And maybe yeah. the question is not what's wrong. It's just, oh, that's shitty. I'm glad you're sharing. You know, yeah. so it, it unloads you. It does. And I guess I've struggled with that, like the idea of unloading to have someone else carry my weight. Mm. But, um, you know, I'm learning to do that and that's okay. So either I've kept it, um, you know, I may have kept it quiet to ears, but I've definitely have shared it in my writing or in other sometimes destructive ways. You know, I've also, um, you know, I've touched on it a little, you know, um, I have suffered from an eating disorder up in, in high school. It was I was the night worst. So, you know, the things that we go through um, and uh, many um, ways you can be destructive, but I chose the eating disorder was my outlet, you know, my, mm -hmm. my way of control mm -hmm. and uh, I got very sick. Um, and so there are triggers and you think about like what gets someone there. And of course it was all the things, all the toxic um, things in my life that, um, just drove me to that. So I do think it's important to share that, hey, that person is going for a walk 
and is trying to eat better, but there's more to it. You know, when I, it may seem like a, just an easy thing I'm sharing, but to me, it's a, it's an uphill battle because I do try uh, my best um, to not fall back into my old habits into, mm-hmm. you know, that damage. Um, so that comes from also keeping it in. So when I'm sharing and I'm letting people know and, I can get through things a lot easier. So, but my favorite way is to be creative. You're right. It is, I'd rather get lost in, in designing something uh, for a teacher or, you know, moving some furniture around and redesigning a whole entire room or, uh, you know, just sharing something. Then it, it, it feels a lot better than, you know, hiding in a closet and, and, and having, you know, a pain that you just can't erase. Listen, it's it's one of those things that's like being creative. You just you focus, right? You you focus on the color. You focus on it being moved at the right angle. It takes extreme focus out of you. So then you're not thinking about you know X Y Z A B C. You're there thinking about okay, well I'm gonna move this chair over here. So when I sit here. I can look at the sunset yeah. and catch the rays in the morning. Yeah. That's what you're doing. You're it, yeah. it's kind of you're distracting yourself from the chaos. But if you don't, at least my personal experience, if you don't address it, oh my God, you're gonna be on your ass, man. Like, yeah, it's gonna knock. No, it's true. Out. And no. it's true. You know, I'm also going through, like I shared, you know, the empty nester feeling, and you know, mm-hmm. 52. Um, I've always been a person that I've been, um, you know, a lifelong learner. I'd love to new, you know, try new things and I can't be stagnant. I can't be in some, I like to learn to make sure that I get good practice. So even as a teacher, I would make sure that I would teach at least minimum three years in the same grade level, because you want to be able to, you know, learn practice and then become experts minimum three years. But I, Um, You know, I was always um, trying new things, but, you know, I just keep challenging myself for new roles, new ideas. And, um, but now, now that everybody's leaving, now I've got, I only have a few years left, you know, in, and people talking about retirement. I can't, I can't sit. And, and that's why, you know, when I say I want to do a podcast or I want to try to see if I can work with a, you know, a new company and, and try, you know, consulting or I want, and these things for some people might seem like, why girl, you're almost done. Or it might even scare some people or it might be like, Oh, te crees mucho. You know, that idea of like, you know, you can you just sit and I now talking to you well, I'm having my own therapy girl. I feel like I can't be alone. Like I can't be in it. Like I, what the hell am I going to do if I can't be, you know, Uber mom and, and doing all these multitasking things. I just, how can I go on without a new challenge? And it's, and it's scary. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared. Hannah. <laughs> Adopt me. I'll go. I'll go. Um, You know what though? But this is, it's, it's just like me. Me right now, I went through all the changes of life. Like I'm still mm-hmm. turning 33 this year. And if you would have told me at 28, I was going to be, you're like, oh, you're 33 years. I can, you, you're nowhere yet. But I'm sitting here. If I walk, like I'm getting, have to get a new job, you know, um, mm-hmm. I've been at the same place for six years. I was in my previous relationship for 12 years. Like nothing looks the same anymore so it is the scariest thing ever and a friend of mine was telling me she's like Hannah you can look at this two ways you can look at it as I don't know what to do or this is a brand new beginning and I'm gonna do what I want so that's my that's my jump to you instead of like you can't be uber mom you're gonna be grandma uber Company for Uber Grandma. 
you never know. I think there's so much you can do. You can even you can even start mentoring kids. Um, yeah, like you could do so much, and it's just a world of opportunity. Like it's funny because I'm talking to you, and you're ending the era, and I'm sitting here about to turn 33, and I'm like, Hannah, do you know that it doesn't matter when you have kids? At this point, like what age you decide to have kids, you're going to be in your 60s still dealing with them. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah definitely. <laughs> you have time. I guess that's the big thing. People they think they don't have enough time or they have too much time or they don't know when the time will come. But it's always about time, you know? <laughs> Who knows? I'm just one of my one of my one of our Instagram friends. She's having her third at forty, and I was like, okay. Okay, "That's dope, cool." Yeah, forty. That's like it's so out of the norm. Like at least for us, like Spanish, like Latin cultures. Oh my god, forty! But she's having it at forty. So I'm sitting here, and then and then you know I do the math, right? I'm like, so Hannah, you would be sixty five. Oh, Hannah. I know. I'm like, I'm probably still working so they don't have to pay to college. And, you know, if they want to go to college. I'm thinking about life choices of an unborn person. (laughs) You know, and it's smart. You're being smart. But sometimes you're being smart that you're going to convince yourself out and freak yourself out. But even that conversation, girl, I just had that one recently with my son, my youngest son. He came home. He had an epiphany. He's like, hey, mom, do you know my girlfriend's? parents are the same age as you were when you had me i'm like okay he's like he's looking at me like are you trying to say i'm old (laughs) you know he's like i had my first son at 24 and then i had my last son when i was 34 and um i don't feel old i'm you know he's graduating this year i'll be 52 yeah i'm not 32 you know and that's okay. I can provide for my son um, very well. He's, you know, he also has, you know, um, what's the word, you know, that I'm trying to see that he's uh, privileged to ask me for anything he needs and it's going to get done. Whereas some people, you know, in my 30s, girl, in my 30s, I couldn't afford a lot of the things still. Mm-hmm. So it just takes time, and there's always a good and a bad, and like this. So, you know what? There's never a perfect time, but no. life can feel perfect. No, I've I've realized this now. I'm like, it's never. I'm like, Hannah, you. It's just it's one of those things that it it reoccurs, right? Because I've I've turned into rich auntie vibes. That's what my friends call me. Because I'm like minus the rich part, but I'm like I'm gonna get there. I have <laughs> I have good taste. Just what is it? My aunt says in Spanish, "Malos ratos, pero muy buen gusto." So mira, yeah, I have my aunt, she's notorious at saying that. She's like, I have great taste. I just have bad times sometimes. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> Ay, las tías, las tías. I mean, sometimes we hear our tías. They'll come up with some crazy things. I love um, them though. <laughs> Girl, Hannah, I mean, I, I've been, a, I think, every stage, like, I can have every conversation with people. I think I've experienced it all. You know, um, I also, I was married before. I got married very young. Girl, my thing was, remember, of my upbringing, I'm like, you were not going to leave that house until you were married. married. And I had contact, you know, they were not letting me go to a university far away. You know, that idea, and that we have many conversations about that now. You know, yeah. they, I think my parents have often told me they wish they would have done things differently, but, you know, um, the experience was not available to me because they did not allow it. So I um, was uh, engaged at 19. And so I got married, and uh, by 24, I had my son, and um, by 25, I was divorced. And so I was a single mom and I had not finished my degree and I was sitting in an empty house, uh, which uh, I did not know how I was going to pay because he just Mm -hmm. left. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, knowing that you're sitting in this beautiful house, you have this beautiful child 
and you think that you did everything right. You got married the way your mom and dad wanted you to do it. But there was many things missing. I was too young and I was not prepared. And mm. you can say that about him. But, you know, there it went. You know, look at what, what at least in the Latino upbringing, you know, the idea of that was what you do. And so I did it and it failed. I failed. And um, when I lost everything, and either get up from that, you know, the, the floor and, you know, wipe myself and say, you have to do something. You have a child now, you know? And so I did. And I went back to school and at night and I had to go back to live with my parents and I had all these things, you know, and, you know, I didn't go back to going out for a long time. And, and when I did, you know, I was like, what am I doing in a club? I have a kid at home. I felt like the oldest 27 year old in the world. And, um, you know, I never thought I was ever going to fall in love nor get married mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. you know, and at that age, you have a, you're a single mom, you know, just, you're at a club, you know, guys will be yeah, guys. Right now, these, these girls have like 30 kids and guys are like, yeah, let's go. Like, yeah. <laughs> so different now. <laughs> no, but love came, you know, and things change. And so there's always, everybody has a different path. And, and that's what I, I expect from my kids that no one is going to go on the same path. We have been, uh, you know, so no, you, you will have your child when it's right for you or when you weren't expecting it. And that's just life, you know? Because that, that that be the way the game is, I guess. At, at this point, I, I believe you. I totally believe you because I have no idea what I'm not. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I probably say it too, but I'm just, I'm going where all I know, I have one thing clear. Like the only thing I have clear is I need to make a better life for myself. That it's all I know. Mm-hmm. And I'll do anything within reason, right? You know? won't sell my kidneys yeah. and shit but i will do anything <laughs> it takes to do it right so that's kind of yeah. where i'm at that's where i'm at and, i don't know what and, and you stick to that because that's your strength you know i think we also saw that from you know our upbringing there was always someone no matter how crazy life was somehow people still went to work and got things done and and that's just the way i I keep going as well. No matter what day I have had, no matter what evening I have survived, um, the next day you get up and you go to work and, you know, keep trying to do what you got to do. That's that's exactly <laughs> what it is. This was a fun chat, Patty. Thank you yeah. for being on with me. Um, oh, thank oh, you. I don't even want it to end now. Ah, this uh, was- well, you know what? I, I I just finished my cafecito. I literally just finished it. So it's a perfect timing, girl. I, you know, <laughs> I, I've done this once or twice. <laughs> I know a thing or two about a thing or two. Well, I loved it. And you gave me an opportunity to try this and see if, uh, you know, you've inspired me to try a podcast. So, a ver qué pasa. I'm excited. Wait, you got to You got to plug. You got to plug. You got to let everyone know where to follow you. Where yeah. can they find well, you? Well, you can find me at Life with Patty and be prepared to see my life. Crazy, sweet, ugly, beautiful, whatever. Um, and that's on Instagram. And uh, I will be, I will be starting my podcast called Cuéntame. So pull up a Uh-oh. chair, get your coffee, get your drink and sit on down and we're going to tell some stories. That's a good one. I'm excited for it. We'll we'll shout you out here on my end. You gotta you gotta let me know when it airs so I can shout you out. And oh, tell I will. And you will be, my, and then we'll we'll, we'll switch roles, girl. Fine. Fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, Patty. As uh, always, thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Keep doing yeah. what you're doing. You're beautiful. You have to. We have to at this point. We have to. Yeah. We, I've already started. <laughs> okay. I've already started. We got to finish it. We got to finish the goal. Uh-huh. Whenever God says when you're done. That's it's not right. what you say, girl. It's going to be fun. Thank you, Patty, yeah. so much for passing by. Come back anytime. Thank you so much for listening. This is your favorite podcast host, Hannah Guzman, coming at you from her bedroom studio in Toronto. Wishing you the best week ever.
Toodles. All that you get to me once now, baby. But I'll never let you win the game. All that you get to me once now, baby. But I'll never let you win the game. Get to me once now, baby.